No longer an apartment 125, but it is surely unfiltered. Welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. It's official, guys. UNC is not going to be making the NCAA tournament. They fell tonight 68-59 to to UVA in the quarterfinals of the ACC tournament. And at a record of 20-13, and 13, this team is going to be the first number one seed to not make preseason number one, that is, to not make the NCAA tournament. I'm here to break down a disappointing season, just give an overview of my thoughts on everything. I want to get to the Duke game a little bit as well. Going to talk about that. Let's start with tonight, though. Obviously, we lose by nine. UNC was led by RJ Davis, who I thought had a fantastic game. 24 points on eight of 14 shooting. He made four three-pointers. I mean, really single-handedly kept this team in the game, but outside of him, uh, if you take out a Caleb Love garbage time layup with like three seconds left, no UNC player made more than two field goals. They shot 36% from the field, 30% from three. Yet again, UNC just didn't shoot the ball well in a loss. UVA had three guys in double figures. You got Jaden Gardner with 17 and 10, Reese Beekman with 15 and five assists and five steals, that is. He had he had 11 or 12 at halftime or 14 at halftime. Beekman was great in the first half. Armand Franklin had 14 points to add for the Cavaliers. So where do I even start, guys? I mean, this team that brought back four starters was, again, preseason number one. So much hype. The amount of potential that this team had to get back to where they were last year in the Final Four in the championship game and being 20 minutes away. They just haven't been the same since that second half. And it just seems like this team, for me, is a broken record. The same problems persist with UNC basketball. And watching this game tonight, this is a culture problem. I don't know if... No, actually, I I don't know, but I know. It's the players. It's the coach. Hubert Davis, after the game, I asked Hubert in the post-game interview. I asked him, what did you say to your team after the game to keep the positivity up? And he said he didn't say much. Because he normally doesn't do it because Dean Smith didn't do that. Where's the leadership? On the court. So I went to cover this game tonight for Sports Extra. I, I was pretty much courtside by the media tables filming a little bit of the game. And they don't talk defensively. Who's the leader on defense? Pete might have said it a couple times, but Leakey's not talking. Armando wasn't talking while he was in, who, gotta say, I commend him for playing with his hurt ankle because not many players would do that. He wanted to give it all that he had for what could be his last game in a Tar Heel uniform. Caleb sure as heck was not communicating. And in the press, like even like the press was actually kind of decent. They forced a turnover or two, but no communicating. No effort defensively, especially from Caleb Love. And this game was 57-55 to 55 with 2.03 left, and, and they couldn't get stops, and they couldn't put the ball in the basket for, the, for those last two minutes. And it's the same thing because in the Duke game, again, UNC against Duke shot 30% from the field, 22% from three-point range in the last... 418 of the game, they didn't make a field goal. Offensive execution down the stretch has not been good this entire season. It's because it's this iso ball. It's it's just 
no, there's absolutely no ball movement. And when it comes down to it, they don't have a set play to run in crunch time. In the Duke game, UNC with 43 seconds left called a timeout. All right, you're down three. You need a three-point shot. Most teams in this moment go to their 100%er. We're getting an open look here from three. We're go. We're we're having people scream around screens. But no, what do we do? We set one off-ball screen for R.J. Davis, which completely condenses the court. You got Caleb and Armando on the other side, not doing anything. I mean, they're just standing on the uh, again on the other side of the court in no man's land. Absolutely no threat to get the ball. The ins- the middle of the the entire paint is wide open because there's no need for Duke to guard the paint. Why? Because we have three players bunched up on R.J.'s side where the play is designed. The play was terrible. This is on Hu- that's on Hubert Davis for not being able to draw up a play. And then tonight again, it's 57 to 55. Don't just say. Go get your guys a bucket. Go get yourself a bucket. Draw something up. You're the coach. This iso ball is not working. In the Duke game, we had eight assists. Tonight, we had 11, a little better, but... I mean, this... This team has shown that like when you pass the ball and it it leads to open shots and then made shots. Too many this team takes too many tough shots and and we've seen it in both of these games. This Duke game, this UVA game when the season was on the line in the last 4 minutes and the last 2 minutes of the games respectively, the team made one field goal and it was Caleb Love tonight with 3 seconds left. That's inexcusable. You're not going you don't deserve to make the tournament playing like that. And I'm sorry, it's on the coach. Hubert Davis has to be better. No, I'm not calling for his firing. Hubert Davis should not be fired after one bad year where it was a disaster of a season. It was not just on him. Caleb Love needs to learn to play a little bit of defense and stop shooting terrible shots. Yes, he was 3 of 15 tonight, 2 of 10 from 3. That's just not going to get it done. Pete Nance, Leaky Black, we'll miss him, but I think this team might be better without him. Two of seven for each of them. It's the same problems. Bad shot selection. No ball movement. Too much iso ball. Not getting the ball to your best player, especially against Duke with Armando. He only shot eight shots. And like defensively, like they actually did okay. I mean, UVA did make 49% of their shots. But against Duke, I thought they played well, even though Filipowski had 22 and 13. It's... It's the offensive end. This team has way too much talent to be playing like that. And again, tonight, aside from RJ Davis, the offense was absolutely terrible. That's on coaching. I don't know where the leadership is on this team. Brady Manick would tell people to get in line. He would he would yell at someone to say, get your crap together. There's no, there's no player leader on this team in the locker room. There's absolutely no leadership from a voice perspective, no voice, and you could tell that, so this team has a huge culture problem because of the reasons I just stated, defensively some guys don't give as much effort, and then offensively it's 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 my turn, it's, it's let's see what I can do with the ball now, and uh, honestly, I'm fine RJ taking those advantages, one, those one-on-one chances, because he actually makes them, RJ Davis, guys, is UNC basketball's best player. 
RJ Davis is a really good basketball player, and he could take a guy one-on-one because he takes smart shots, and he knows what he's doing. Caleb, just absolutely reckless. No reason he should have shot 15 shots tonight, knowing the matchup he would have with Reese Beekman. And then don't even get me started on the bench production because that's on Hubert Davis as well. I'm being very critical of Hubert right now, but again, he does not deserve to get fired after one bad year. But this has been two years under Hubert Davis where we have had only one good month of basketball. And I would love to see, let's let's see what happens when Hubert gets his own recruits in here. We got Simeon Wiltshire coming in next year. But this team is not a tournament team. They're going to the NIT. I doubt they'll play in it. Heard rumblings that they won't play in it. They won't want to. But just looking at the game tonight, it's just the same story with UNC not shooting the ball well because they're not taking good shots and they're not sharing the ball. And guys, I call I I I know I took my break, but I called it after the first game we lost to Duke in Cameron. I said we're not making the tournament. This team has to beat too many good teams. This team is just not that good. We weren't we didn't beat Miami. We didn't beat NC State in Raleigh. We couldn't beat a good team on the road this year, and then we lose at home to Duke. The, losing at home to Duke was the nail in the coffin. We had a win out, and we played a, a very disciplined, pretty good Virginia team that's refound its footing after having a three-week sputter in the ACC. And yeah, seems going to the NIT. It's crazy. Would have never thought this at the start of the season. When we had live action, would have never thought that this team would Again, preseason number one. It's just crazy to think about. But when you watch the team play, you're not surprised. So what's got to change? It's kind of just like a monologue here. What's got to change? Okay, so Leaky Black, Pete Nance, they're heading out, obviously. First thing, you have to develop your bench. I thought DeMarco Dunn was pretty good tonight. Thought he had some good moments. Puff. Gives 110%. Love to see Trimble in there. Jalen Washington. Why the? Why are we not playing him? This guy's one. Is this guy's our best NBA prospect? Jalen Washington is really, really good. I mean, he's got offensive skill. He needs to put on a little more muscle. But if he's raw, the best way to give him experience is to give him time in the game. And I'm, and I'm tired of this Iron 5 talk because it's not working and you need a bench when your stars aren't shooting the ball well because, yes, your stars aren't going to shoot the ball well every game. So, one, I want to see bench development. Two, I want to see Simeon Wilcher start from day one. Simeon Wilcher better start whether he's on or off ball. He's got to be in that starting lineup. You have to roll with your talent. And then the third thing is, who's coming back? In my opinion... Here's what I think is going to happen. I think RJ's coming back, and I think Caleb will come back, and I think Armando's the toss-up. Here's what I want to happen, or here's what I think should happen. RJ come back. Armando comes back. And here's the bombshell. I think Caleb Love should transfer. If Caleb Love wants to get to the NBA, he should transfer. Let me tell you why. Last year in the Final Four run, Caleb Love showed insane shot-making ability. He can hit shots that not many players in college basketball can. He can flip a game on its head, and when he gets hot, he's unstoppable. But he never really seemed to get hot that many times this year. That's because he's undisciplined. He's not a good decision-maker. His decision-making regressed. His point guard abilities regressed. And then 
he shot worse percentages because his shot selection got worse. People will say, oh, well, his shot selection was the same as it was last year. He just hit him. I don't know if I agree with that because what he did was he would actually drive inside first. He wouldn't take that step back three with his first shot like he did this year. He would get into the paint, get to the free throw line, use his electric first step to get to the to get in the lane. He was aggressive. He didn't shy away from contact. And then that would open up his outside game because teams would be afraid of his first step. He tried to be too much like a shooter this year. And Caleb Love, that's just not his game. He's not that efficient from the outside. He's streaky. He's got to get inside and use his athleticism to get to the to get to the paint. Floaters, layups, he's too athletic to not use that part of his game. And with the leash he has with Hubert Davis, that he can take shots like these these step back threes five minutes into the game and not get yanked. That's not the sign of an NBA player. He needs a coach that's actually going to hold him accountable for his mistakes. And don't even get me started on him defensively. He doesn't care. He gives no effort. Tonight, again, against that press, he could have gotten at least two steals. He doesn't chop his feet. He doesn't move fast. He gets beat on backdoor cuts so many times. He's so careless. And no matter how good he is offensively, he's always going to be a liability defensively because he doesn't care. I was watching Baylor today. I drew I drew some similarities to Keontae George. I think Keontae George is way better than Caleb Love. Same thing. Very good shot maker. Elite ball handling skills. Better than Caleb. But defensively, he's a freshman. But those, that's a freshman mistake. Caleb's a junior. You've been to a Final Four. Caleb Love only plays defense when he has like personal beef with someone. I, I I don't know what it is because Caleb Love is so talented, man. But yet he just this year he just never put it all together, and he just seems so complacent, and he's all about the points, all about himself. That's just what it looks like on the court. So where should he go? I think he should go to Kansas if he can get an offer from there. Baylor, Kentucky, go somewhere where you can be developed. To be a point guard. Because honestly, his ball handling is a little sloppy. And he's predictable. And he always goes right. He never uses his left. I don't think, if he wants to go to the league, I don't think he's going to do it at Carolina. I don't think he can. I, I, and, and and it's also on Hubert Davis because he doesn't hold him accountable. And Caleb Love regressed this year. And this sucks because I love Caleb Love. And we're always going to remember him for the shot he hit against Duke. He's etched in UNC history. But I think he should transfer. If he wants to get to the pros. So if what I think should happen happens, starting lineup can look like RJ Davis, Simeon Wiltshire, Puff Johnson, Jalen Washington, Armando Baycott, or if you want to throw DeMarco in there for a third guard, you want to throw Seth in there for a third guard. Although I think Seth coming off the bench would be good. This team's got to figure out who they are and you know, what side of the ball they're really going to pride themselves on because they pride themselves on being an elite shot-making team. They weren't that. They sure as heck weren't good defensively. Although, although like, they, they're, they're good enough. But, and then mainly, they got to get a set offense where they know who's their main guy. And I that's why I think Caleb Love leaving might help UNC because then you'd know, okay, we're running our offense through Armando Baycott and RJ Davis and everyone else around them has a role. The reason it clicked last year is because RJ was the point guard and Caleb was the scorer. This year, we went back to them being both at the same time and it didn't work. So Tar Heel fans, 
yeah, this is disappointing, guys. I, I can't lie to you. Did not really see myself getting on the podcast talking about us not being in the NCAA tournament. But it's just not our season. Now, would I take these past two seasons? Absolutely. I want that run to the Final Four, beating Duke, almost winning a championship. This is a special journey. This is a special group for us because of that. But this team needs to do some serious soul searching in the offseason and figure out, figure out their roles and figure out why they're playing. I don't want to get too like philosophical or anything, but next year I hope they come back with a big fire because North Carolina belongs in the NCAA tournament. And when two games, when it was on the line the most against Duke and Virginia tonight, and even NC State, down the stretch, the team didn't show up. So hopefully they can figure that out. But we're not just talking UNC basketball. Let's get to some other conference tournament games. Because I've been watching in class. Shout out, first off, if you are in high school or, or or college, if you're not pulling up, like, watch ESPN to watch, like, these conference tournament games, like, side-by-side side while you're taking notes, like, you're just not doing it right. You have to, it's a balance of, like, paying attention enough where you're actually taking notes and absorbing the information, but you're also watching the game side-by-side side to, like, see, like, a big moment happen. Like, when my media law professor is calling roll call, to see particip- to see who's in class, which I don't know why teachers even still do attendance nowadays, but Davian Williamson hit that awesome game winner against Wake Forest, and then the 360 shot by Hildreth. I mean, that was pretty crazy. ACC-wise, I mean, top seeds winning. Although, wow, Cle- I, I literally just checked. Uh, Clemson was up three at halftime, but they uh, have outscored the Wolfpack by 21 in the second half, and they're up 72-48. to 48. So it looks like the top four seeds in Miami, Duke, Clemson, Virginia are going to take this this one home. Miami looked pretty good from, from what I saw. Wake Forest made a push towards the end. Duke stomped Pitt. I still got Miami winning the ACC tournament. It'll be Miami and, and Virginia in the finals, I believe. I don't think Virginia will have a hard time dealing with Clemson. The Miami-Duke game is what's going to be closer. I also saw some Big 12 basketball. For some reason, Iowa State just has Baylor's number this year. I thought Jalen Bridges was fantastic. He, I mean, that whole that first half, he was perfect from the field, 16 points. And finished, finished I believe, with like, what do you have, 28 points? If Jalen Bridges can can play like that, Baylor can be dangerous because the guards just didn't shoot well today. Cryer, uh, Flagler, and Keontae George were 3 of 10. Uh, all of them, but Flagler was 3 of 11. So Iowa State moves on. Kansas handled West Virginia. Kansas looked pretty good. Jalen Wilson, obviously, one of the top five players in the country. But the point I want to end on is let's talk some Cinderella's. Yeah. Let's get to some Cinderella's that you should be on the lookout for in your bracket. So my first Cinderella, which I don't even know if we can call him that anymore. I, I got, I got, I'm looking at the list right now. I got three. We'll go with three Cinderella's. The first one, I think the biggest one that I'm picking no matter what, unless they play like a team I really like, they're back, ladies and gentlemen. Max Acemas is back. Oral Roberts. They're going to win a game in this tournament. This team is really good. Acemas senior, he's averaging 22 and a half a game. The 7-5 guys, really skilled as well. They're well coached. They they, they still got Jurgens and, and Steve. I believe Stevens was also on that team from two years ago. Obviously, no Kevin O'Banner. But Oral Roberts, they can really shoot the ball. They score at a high rate. They get up and down the court. And they, they got height. 
with, with, with their 7-5 kid. I got to find out his name. Oral Roberts is really good. They are winning a 12-5 matchup. There's no doubt about it. This is as much of a lock as when Murray State played Marquette when they had John Morant. Look out for Oral Roberts, especially if they play like a, like a, like I feel like even like an Iowa State uh, or one of these like Power Five teams that are kind of lower, like lower seat, like they're higher seated than they should be, even though they have like 10-11 losses, like like maybe like a Tennessee, depending on, on where they fall. Because of the obviously no Zakai Ziegler, that was a terrible injury. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Maybe a TCU because they're not playing well. Eddie Lampkin's also gone. Or Roberts are the they're the biggest team that can make a Cinderella run. Here's some other ones. Drake, I, I think Tucker DeVries is is really good. I think um, I, when I'm looking for a Cinderella, I'm looking for a guy who can take over a game. And he's one of them. He averages about 19 a game. Drake's really good. Beat a very good um, Bradley team, I believe. Is that the team? I believe so. Just trying to get my mid-major knowledge up. But the other team that I think is just as much of a Cinderella as Oral Roberts that actually played us this year is College of Charleston. Uh, point guard Ryan La- uh, Larson, great game in in the finals against UNC Wilmington. I believe he had 23 points. This is a Charleston team that is deep. They got a, a multitude of guys who can score. They defend really well, and they have leadership. Larson really, really was communicating on the court. Uh, he seemed to be the guy running the show. Such so well coached, and I don't care about strength of schedule. They have three losses. This is a really, really disciplined. Well, coach, I believe they beat Virginia Tech early in the year. This is a really good Charleston team. Will probably be on the 12 line. Look for them to make an upset. So, I kind of threw Drake in there as like a dark horse sleeper, but Oral Roberts and Charleston really keep an eye out for them. And then the last thing I want to talk about is is title contenders. I, I think one that, unfortunately, I'll just say it right now. I want to talk UCLA. I want to talk UCLA because I think they would have been a title contender. I feel so bad for Jalen Clark because he tore his Achilles in their game this past weekend. And it just sucks because if you're looking for UCLA to be your championship winner, because if they win this Pac-12 tournament, which they definitely still can, they really just have to get through Arizona again. It was against Arizona. That was the game. Uh, Do not pick them for your Final Four, in my opinion. I'm out on UCLA just because... Jalen Clark, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, a top five defender in the country. And he was also a third scoring option next to Jaime Jaquez and and Tiger Campbell. Huge loss. Probably the biggest loss of any team in the country from it for an injury. What a guy Jalen Clark's like your glue guy because he's gonna he's a great two-way player. He's gonna lock up the other team's best player. And that's a hard guy to replace. He's almost irreplaceable in my opinion. You put Singleton in there, but I wanted to bring that up because I think UCLA is really, really good. I think they obviously benefited from playing in a pretty weak Pac-12 this year, but they still have Final Four experience. They have got leadership. They got seniors. Hawkins is a second team All-American, but the Jalen Clark injury, I, I think you should err on the side of caution when picking them to go far in your bracket. And actually now the last team I want to talk about is normally a team that I like to hate on. A team I don't think is going to reach their standards, but I actually think this team's going to overachieve this year. Gonzaga. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, I think, is going to make the Final Four, potentially, depending on their draw. Drew Timmy, obviously, still the guy there. You got Julian Strother. You got uh, Razier Bolton. But I, I just think 
there's not the weight of the expectations on Gonzaga, and they routed St. Mary's on on months, Tuesday or Monday, seventy seven fifty one. You you still get? I mean, they I like their pieces. Malachi Smith, you got Hunter Salas, Hickman. I mean, they got good. They got good guards, and I and I mean Anton Watson as well. I I don't know. I I just like the makeup of, the, of this Gonzaga team. And again, the 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 weight of the expectations aren't there. They're going to come into this tournament as a three seed. And I think they can knock off a two, and I think they're going to make it to at least the elite eight. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna consider putting them in my in my final four. I don't know. I I have a good feeling about this Gonzaga team because when you got Drew Timmy there and you've got the role players playing as well as they are, and I, again, I think Malachi Smith is the X factor of that team. He can really score. He shoots at such. He's a really good three point shooter. Shoots 53% from the field. I mean, I mean, that, he only averages nine points a game, but that's crazy coming from coming from Chattanooga. Oh yeah, I might add he shoots forty nine percent from three. That's a guy who can make a difference off your bench. He could be like your Remy Martin from Kansas last year. So keep an eye on Gonzaga. I think that's all I really want to talk about today. Uh, to, wanted to talk about brackets a little bit towards the end. Gonna be making mine in a in, in a few days. Selection Sunday is just three days away. Unfortunately, again UNC will not be in it. But everyone, go make your bracket. Let me know who you're choosing for your championship pick. Give me your best upset pick. We're going to do a lot of March Madness content, hopefully. I will be traveling next week. Just want to warn you, so if I can't get an episode up or anything, that's why. But I'm going to bring my podcast stuff over to San Francisco, and we'll see what we can do. But, yeah, that's going to do it today for 125 Unfiltered. Thank you so much for listening. Go Tar Heels. It's always a good day to be a Tar Heel. I'll speak to you next time.